What's up, my friends? Matt here. This is the Matt Prince Podcast. Welcome back for another episode. This episode is brought to you by strengthcoachsecrets.com and Royal Fitness. And today's topic is lower back. How to train it, what to do, what to look out for, and all of the things that you'll need to know in a uh, compressed version so you can apply these to your training and start to see some, some progress, right? Whether that's to feel progress as in have less pain, in your lower back and injure it less or to lift more weight, right? It doesn't matter. Whichever, whichever you're looking for, these, these will sort of cross over pretty, pretty well. Now, what I wanted to start this episode with was a Q&A um, question that we got off the, the guys on Instagram. So this one was from Jakey on Instagram. And this was, what, what tips have you got on breaking mental barriers when approaching heavy PBs? Now, this is a complex question because some people just freak out they have no composure and that's a thing, right? People freak out, it gets scary. You know, when you're going for a PB, it generally means that you're going into an unknown territory. So you don't know 100% if you're going to hit the lift or not. And that's fine. That's, that's good to push yourself. One thing I will say is when you are going for a PB, you want to be, I'd say, 95% sure that it's going to work, right? If it doesn't, fuck it, it doesn't. But you don't want to go in there going, oh, I don't reckon I can do this. If you don't think you can do it, you're not going to do it. I can promise you that. So that's the first part. If you're doing it out of peer pressure, like this happens sometimes where, you know, you'll, you'll lift the weight. And I see it a lot. And, I, and sometimes I have to bite my tongue because there's a, a fine line in coaching of um, saying the wrong thing to the wrong person um, and, and it crushing their spirit or saying the wrong thing to the wrong person and it making them like go, fuck you, Maddie, I'm going to show you what's going on. So I have to be careful with what I say. Now, there has been people who have given them zero chance to hit a max lift. Like they'll fail a deadlift and I'll be like, nah, there's no way he'll come back from this. I recommend not even trying it, blah, 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 blah. He comes back, he's like, no, nah, I'm going to fucking try it. And he pulls it like it's the lightest weight ever and hits a PB, right? And it's the flip side. Somebody lifts a weight and it's like the ugliest lift ever and it was super hard. And it was like, definitely, definitely complete max. And one of their friends goes, yeah, I reckon you go, bro. That looked pretty good, right? Or, that, or in their head, they're like, yeah, that felt really good. And it looked like it didn't feel good at all. Those kind of lifts, like that next one is probably the one you shouldn't take. But if you do take it, if you're not 100 or 95% sure, I wouldn't take it. So... I hope that, that covers a tiny bit of it. Part two to this is a tip that I got from one of the world's strongest men, Brian Shaw. Now, Brian Shaw is a complete behemoth of a man. If you haven't seen him, I've actually seen him in person. I think he's about 6'10 and 180 or more even kilos. And he looks athletic. Like he doesn't look fat like a strong man. He sort of just has a fucking massive frame and uh, and he actually looks pretty fit. I believe he holds the 100 meter rowing record on the Concept 2 rowers as well, which is a fun fact about Brian Shaw. But he's a complete monster, this guy. And one of the things that he does in strongman comps is he, he doesn't train to complete failure. So his goal is to never fail. Like, yes, you fail sometimes. I try to not fail, but sometimes it happens, right? Sometimes shit goes sideways and you miss a lift. It might be because of fatigue or maybe something goes wrong or you slip for whatever, like something can go wrong. But he, he talks about it in a way that's like, if you fail a certain weight in your head, next time you approach that weight, you're already thinking about that last time you failed it. So there's no confidence there. 
But if you, let's say, because he's lifting like 500 kilos, the guy, like he's a fucking monster. Let's say he does, I, I don't know if he's done 500 kilo deadlift, but let's use that as an example, because he probably will soon. Say 500 kilo deadlifts his lift, right? If he's tried that in training and he's hit it once and he's missed it seven times, there's a high chance that when it comes up in a competition, he's not going to believe that he can do it. But if he smashes, absolutely dominates, say 470, Right. When I'm saying 470, like an extra 40 kilo jumps on 470 sounds like a lot, but the percentages are pretty low. Like it's not like a, it's sort of like, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, um, it'd be like nearly 10%. So if you think about like if somebody has 50 kilos on a barbell and they add five kilos, that's nearly the equivalent of say 470 adding, you know, 47 kilos, like that, that's the same percentage. So when, when I say like, if he can smash 470 and he's doing it really, really fast, there's a high chance he can probably pull 500 because the the the, the effort that he's putting into 470 is so tremendous that it probably would equal 500. Like I, I wouldn't doubt that. No, I'd have a lot of confidence in that. And usually when a world record set like that, they've usually jumped like a 40 kilo PB or something. It's not usually like a two kilo PB um, unless they're beating their own previous record so that's just something to think about he will stay away from failure to keep his confidence high one thing that i do personally is i try and hit around the weight that i want to hit with different variations of the lifts whether it's different kinds of deadlifts or different kinds of squats like different bars you know different kinds of bench presses with different bars different grips different angles different chains bands all that sort of stuff like that's why we'd like to mix it up and you build up your weak areas but at the same time you're building confidence, you know, Hey, look, I can max out in this shit lift and still hit 200 kilos or 100 kilos. And that can help moving into the, uh, into the training of the other, um, other lifts, right? So or the, the, the straight conventional weight, if that's what you're testing, right? So the other thing to think about with PBs is you aren't always ready to hit PB. Okay. There's times to go for it and times not to, I think of, um, I look at it as a point of view of like there's there's testers and there's builders, right? And a tester is something that you test. So it might be like straight bar bench press, a straight bar squat for a lot of people, or, or you know straight bar deadlift for a lot of people. Uh, might be a straight pull up, whatever it is. Like you've got testers and then you've got things that build those lifts, right? So for me, for example, bench press. What builds my bench press? I know if my close grip bench press goes up, my bench press goes up. I know if my wide grip bench press goes up, my bench press goes up. I know if my um, bench into bands gets faster on speed day, my bench press goes up. I know if my floor press goes up, my bench press goes up. I know if my tricep, like heavy skull crushes get up, bench press goes up. These are all exercises that help me, right? I know if my shoulder presses get up, bench press goes up. Like there's a lot of things that are builders and it doesn't, I don't care. Like if I, if I have a really good session and I go heavy with it and it's all I've got for that day, I don't really carry the wave of hit a PB on that or not. Generally I do, but I don't really, really care too much because I know that the outcome is to build, not to test. Right. So think of builders and testers and make sure you're not, you're doing a lot more building than you are testing. And I, I'd say like, you shouldn't be testing it any more than, at least every three to four months. Like at Royal, we generally test the straight weights three times a year, maybe. Um, and some of the, you know, the newer guys will test it more frequently, but you don't want to constantly be maxing out because again, it, it can break your confidence and it can also um, hinder, hinder your results because you're not getting enough builders in. You're skipping a session basically if you're testing because 
yeah, you just you just need to get some extra work in. But anyway, on to the topic of today. So I hope that helps out in the, the breaking mental PBs. Um, get confident, make sure you can do it and don't fail that weight all the time because that'll break you down rather than build you up. Um, now, into the lower back, guys, I want to give you guys a bit of a crash course on how we work with the low back, all right? I'm not going to talk about specific injuries or anything like that. I just want to talk a little bit about some things that pop up and some ways around it and some things to, to be aware of. So first things first with lower back. You'll hear people say that your lower back's tight or your glutes aren't firing or your hamstrings are tight or all this sort of stuff. A lot of the time they'll tell you to stretch or foam roll or something like that. That will give you temporary relief, right? It'll give you temporary relief. It'll make you feel good for a short period of time. But long-term, it won't make a huge difference without adding strength and stability to other areas of your body, right? So if you constantly, if you've got tight glutes and you just keep stretching them, there's a reason they're tight. Right. If you've got tight hamstrings, you just keep stretching. There's a reason they're tight. Same with the low back. Like you want to look at it from a point of view of like, oh, how does my body actually function? Okay, so if you are somebody who's got super tight, say, hip flexors, that's going to be pulling your pelvis forward and tightening up your lower back and your hamstrings. It's going to make it hard because you're sort of in this like duck ass position, like how I walk around, right? So that position is going to make you tight and stiff increased risk of injury, increase you know, weakness in that, in that area because it has to, as more you know, things around it, fighting against it. So when you, when you look at it, yes, stretch, yes, foam roll, but use it as a means to an end. So like I'll stretch my hip flexors if, if you know, my squat feels really, really tight, but I'll only stretch them pre-squat. So that way it frees me up to squat, right? Um, we do that a lot in the gym, like in our warm-ups, we do a lot of a lot, bit of a bit of stretching. And I'd say I nearly said a lot, but it, we do it every time. So it seems like a lot, but probably three minutes worth of movement-based stretching. And that's just to, to get things moving right. Right. If you just did that every day, things would go pretty good. Guarantee your movement would get better. Right. So if your movement's good, then the next level of it, you want to look at the the low back as a multifaceted area. Okay. If you are lifting heavy weights and you don't know how to brace your core or you've got a really weak core, there's a high chance you'll hurt your back. High, high chance. So learn how to brace. And I'm talking belly brace. If you look up Volsava method, V-A-L-S-A-V-A -A -A method, that's how I like to teach people to brace their core. It's essentially you breathe in and you push your belly out. So you're trying to breathe into your belly and then I jam my tongue into the top of my mouth. So you just try it now. So breathe into your belly, push the tongue into your top of your mouth and hold it. That'll brace your core and give you a lot of intra-abdominal pressure, which is amplified if, when you wear a belt. But if you wear a belt and don't do that, you're fucked anyway. Like, so there's no point wearing a belt. So you need to keep that in the back of your head. If you, if you can brace well, good. Now, when we look at that internal pressure, right? Think of what's bracing there. You've got your abs, so the front part of your stomach, and you can build that in certain ways. I like things like hollow tucks. I like things like um, ab wheel rollouts for the lower section and the hip area. I like leg raises. I think they're all very, very good, right? Planking, very good. Like all the things that connect the body in one piece, even V sit-ups, very good, right? They will get you stronger is with the core as one piece. Right? If you just do sit-ups and crunches, you're sort of isolating the top part of your abs, which isn't fantastic for what we're trying to do. 
right? It's not fantastic for the outcome. It doesn't mean you never do sit-ups. I don't think they're dangerous or anything like that. Um, like you, you'll hear people say that sit-ups are dangerous, but I don't, I don't think that's true. I, I just think there's better ways, right? And uh, and and my favorite are those ab wheel, hollow, hollow tuck, weighted hollow tucks in particular, even hollow rocks if you need to learn how to hollow properly. Um, leg raises are very, very good because they get the hips and the hip flex and actually release the psoas and some other muscles in your hips and lower back area. As you as you sort of fold out, they'll stretch down um, because you've got that traction of holding off the bar or hanging off the off the, the slings. So your hips actually release a little bit too, which is a good thing. And as you're coming up, it's sort of like it curls up. So you're going to get a, a bit of thin stretching in there as well, like your psoas and um, your hip flexors will get stronger. So that can that can help as well. So there's a lot of a lot of good things in those in those ab exercises. Now, the next part of the abs where you want to use or where you want to get really strong to help create that intra-abdominal pressure is your obliques. Okay, so your obliques are those slabs of muscles on the side. They're actually what gives you that nice V that goes down into your abs. The um, the oblique wraps around and that sort of finishes like when you look at your front and then your back, the obliques are what joins the two together. Okay. So my obliques are really thick because I train them a lot and I've trained heavy a lot and I do a lot of like the martial arts based stuff, which is very oblique based. So that's why my core is thick. This is a good thing. This is what we want. If you look at any strong, really, really strong person, their cores are thick. And I'm not saying fat is a difference. They're thick strong you know dense is probably the best word for it so obliques are a really good way to train uh train the or help the lower back and assist the lower back they can help take pressure off the ql if you're a chronic ql doer which i was and i haven't been lately touch wood so uh that's something to think about and, and obliques you want to look at movement in the obliques so you might be looking at twists you might be looking at side planks carries single arm carries a side dips that sort of stuff they're all good. Um, you can do things like the, the leg raises to the side, sit-ups to the side, all that sort of stuff. Anything that you feel your oblique in is good. You can do it standing, you can do it laying. It doesn't really matter. Um, I would, again, suggest getting them strong rather than focusing on getting them pretty or just doing 100 reps for no reason. Like, make them hard and make sure there's this progression there. So, uh, a big fan, I'm a big fan of torsionator twists. Um, do them a bit, the pile-off presses where it's like anti-rotational for the core, that can be really, really good. But the point is you want to you hit them. You want to hit them hard. Now, the next point, traction versus compression. Compression would be, example would be, you got a bar on your back, 100 kilos, 150, let's go 150 kilos, bar on your back, you're squatting it. Now, there's, there's ground underneath you, right? And there's 150 kilos on your back and you're standing in between it. There's gonna be some compression of your spine. It's not necessarily bad. And you've, again, you've got the intra-abdominal pressure, everything's braced, everything's packed in, you're using the upper back to brace it properly. Everything's going good. But that, there's gonna be compression there. When you deadlift, same thing. There's gonna be some, some hard compressive things going on in your lower back and, and in your whole back and your whole body really because you're lifting heavy things. When you're pressing overhead, same thing. Everything's gonna get squashed. That would be an example of compression. Now, compression isn't bad because it gets us stronger. You need compression to get stronger. Otherwise you won't have, if you, if you don't train with things that make you brace your abs really hard, this is what I didn't learn. And I didn't realize until probably the last couple of years. When I was younger, 
I used to think gymnasts are huge. I used to think gymnasts were super strong, and they are. They are really, really strong with their bodies. When it comes to weights, some of them are really strong, but not not in like their leg strength and stuff like that. A lot of them break in the core because, and they've got super strong cores too, by, by the way, but because the bracing is different, it can affect how it transitions over. There's not enough compression for them to need to get really tight. So when they start learning it, there's a learning process, right? Long-term, yeah, they're gonna be fucking strong as because their base is so big. But when they first start is what I'm talking about. So don't don't take this as like, I'm saying gymnasts are weak because they're the, some of the strongest humans in the world. But when they start to transition over into lifting weights or into CrossFit and stuff like that, they have to learn these things. They have to learn how to brace and make sure that they do it right. Otherwise they'll injure themselves. Okay, so within that, with, with that in mind, you need to think about it like, how can you put yourself under compression safely? Um, but then how, you can't always do that really, really hard. You can't keep doing that. So I'll, I'll squat heavy. I like doing squats up to about five reps for my heavy squats. That's probably where I leave it, right? Very rarely I'll rep out squats unless it's like, it might be once every month or something like that. I'll do a rep back offset where I do a heap of reps. Um, but it's very rare. I'd much prefer to do something that's um, not compressing my spine, whether it's lunges, where we'll do a lot of lunges at the gym, we'll do a lot of step, like um, leg up lunges. You, know, you can use step ups, you can use uh, single leg squats where there's no weight on your back. You can use like all that sort of stuff. Kettlebell squats where it's like a front kettlebell squat, you're not compressing your spine. So that, that way you can handle more volume with less compression. So your actual spine isn't getting smashed as much, right? You're still stronger. You're still getting bigger muscles. You're still getting the burn. You're building up the weak areas, so everything's going to get better. That compress compression is not there, right? Um, and if you're always squatting deadlift, you'll feel like shit. I can guarantee. If all your accessories are really heavy compound-based movements with bar on your back or like heavy, heavy, heavy deads, you'll feel pretty crap. And if you don't, within three to four weeks, you will. I can promise you that, right? So the compression lifts that I like. Deadlifts, obviously, for the low back. Romanian deadlifts for the low back. Stiff leg deadlifts for the low back. Very good. Rack pulls, all those things, all those variations. Amazing. Do them. Get good at them. The squat-based ones. You've got all the squats. You've got your, you know, cam bars, bent bars, all that stuff, straight bars, safety bars, all those. Very, very good. I like good mornings a lot. Again, you can't do just those things, though. When you start to think about it, and we take it to a traction-based method, even uh, sorry, even with the compression base, let's think um, hyperextension, just a straight hyperextension, normal hyperextension. Very good. Builds muscle, builds your glutes, builds your hamstrings, builds your low back up. But it's, it's that compressive nature. You're sort of jamming your discs together. If, if you look at it that way, you're tightening your muscles up. When you look at the traction base to handle volume, I like belt squat work, whether it's belt squats, belt marching, um, shadow boxing. I do a lot of shadow boxing in the belt squat. Um, you can do like good morning type movements in the belt squat. Very, very good because it's going to pull down on your spine. So it's actually stretching your spine downwards rather than squashing it downwards. And you're still getting that volume and burning your legs. So you, your spine, yes, your spine is not going to be getting more work, but it doesn't need it all the time. Right? And then if you take it over to the, the reverse hyper, which is one of my favorite machines, and I love it, you are getting traction as you swing your legs through, and then you're coming up and you're getting work in the muscles on the way up. So you're getting a huge work volume with your lower back, your glutes, your hamstrings, same goes with the belt squat machine, but you're not getting 
speed up as much, right? Your recovery is going to be significantly better because you're not just keep getting smashed up, smashed up, smashed up. You've got things that are decompressing your spine and releasing it rather than tightening it. So like I'll have people who have back things go onto the reverse hyper after a heavy leg day. I've been going to the belt squat after heavy leg day. And I'd recommend everybody does this because it's good for you. Hanging from a bar is the same kind of thing. You hang down and decompress your shoulders, your wrists, your elbows, your knee, like everything just gets a bit of, bit of release. I think it's a very, very good thing for you. All right. So that's the traction versus compression. I think um, find the mix. You definitely have to train with compression to get really strong and to, to you know, to, to do things, um, for performance base because if you don't know how to brace your core or you're not used to getting heavy weight on your back when somebody tries to tackle you in a football sport or hits you hard like you're going to be the one that falls over if they're used to it right if you're harder than them though they'll be the one that breaks okay so you want to be the one that breaks people that's that's how i look at it the next part to this guys glutes and hams glutes and hamstrings are a key to help the lower back they are a support so if you have weak hamstrings or weak glutes when you do lifts, kettlebell swings, deadlift squats, your lower back will take over, which means the pressure is more so in your lower back than in your glutes and your hamstrings, which is where you want it, right? You want the glutes and the hamstrings doing work. You want your back working too. But if you have a weak upper back and you have weak hamstrings, weak glutes, the point of, I suppose, strength will have to come from that low spine. You don't want this. You want it to be balanced across all of them. So if you're not training your glutes and hams in isolation or in um, even in compound movements, it's fine that in compound movements, like I think kettlebell swings are very good. I think again, those belt, belt squat work, hypers, like reverse hypers and all that sort of stuff. Things like Romanian deadlifts where you can hit a heavy lift, but you're really focusing on keeping good form and it's a little bit lighter than a normal dead and a bit more control, so it's more muscle building. These things support elitism in the squat the dead, right? And it will help increase that. It will help sporting performance. It will help you sprinting. It will help you running, right? Glutes and hamstrings matter. And you got to think of the glutes as a multi-angle type thing. So you've got your lunging type movements. That'll hit your glutes in a certain way. You'll have your squatting type movements. They'll hit it in a certain way. You've got your sumo-based like deadlifts and squats and stuff like that. That'll hit it in a certain way. They all work together. The hamstrings, you want to train it from the hip and you want to train it from the knee. Okay, so you're going to do like knee curl-based stuff like hamstring curl type movements. And you're also going to do your Romanians, you're going to do deads, box squats, that sort of stuff as well. And if you do those two together, that'll also help bring up the muscles to take a little bit of pressure off that low back and give it more support across the board. Now, the last point, guys, I wanted to make around this, this topic with the big lifts. If you have a lift that doesn't work for you, you don't need to do it. Change it, adjust it. Like if you're somebody who... You know, I don't know how to, how to explain it. Like for, for the, the low back in particular, like if you're somebody who has a really fucked up low back, but you can handle trap bar deadlifts fine and straight bar deadlifts not fine, I would recommend doing the, the straight bar deadlift light and only doing your heavy stuff in the trap bar, right? And have the trap bar as your tester rather than your builder. Like you don't need to max out on a straight bar. There's no rule that says that, especially if you're not a competitive powerlifter. So try and get in your head, like the big lifts are good. They're really, really good. That's what gets you really strong. But don't get married to a certain one. Like there was years and I've only done it maybe three times in the past two and a half years. I have squatted with a barbell on my back. Every other squat's been with a safety bar, a cambered bar or a bent bar. 
and bent bars probably like five times I've used that. But the, the safety bar and the camber bar, I've used and I've, I squat generally, I squat twice a week, right? So you can think about how many how many sessions I've hit with a, a, variety, a variation of that, that straight bar. Yeah, I'll still test the straight bar every now and again, I'll throw it back in. But I don't really care. Like it, it doesn't matter. I'm still squatting. I'm getting stronger, and that's what that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, you're gonna make sure that you're finding the things that work for you and that allow your body to get better without beating it up and making it sore and sore and breaking it down. So, as I wrap all this up, guys, lower back and core matters. Okay, I have been doing a hundred lower back exercises, and it's always reverse hyper for me. I really, really like it, whether it's double leg or single leg. I don't really care, but I'll do 100 reverse hypers on lower body days, and I'll do three sets of about 35. Um, and I'll also do 100 core exercises, and it could be anything, leg raises, sit-ups with the ball under my back. It might be hollow tucks, ab wheels, all those things that I spoke about. 100 and 100 of them is building my core up really 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 well i feel really good i feel stable i feel strong and it's helping the volume's helping keeping the core happening like moving on and i've always finished with like obliques on lower body day especially um so i've got now i've got the front of my core my, you know my lower back's getting traction but work with the reverse hyper and then i'm finishing with generally some sort of uh decompression type thing so belt squats or belt marching or you know belt good mornings i'm supersetting that with a lot of oblique work and the last point is I'm hitting the glutes and the hamstrings from different angles all the time, all right? And these are all supporting those big lifts that I'm, I'm, I'm throwing out there. So whether it's box squatting or deadlifting, these are supporting. I'm doing these around it. In our program at Royal, we do the same thing. It's this exact same thing, so you guys don't need to think about it. But if you do have issues, I would suggest to get in early or stay late and do extra reverse hypers, extra belt squats, extra belt good mornings, extra belt marching to really help improve and speed up that process and build up those weak areas because you can handle a lot of that you can handle a lot of volume with them they're fine but if you if you don't do them the opposite is you're just going to get tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter and the only thing will be like a 10 minute relief when you stretch and then it will stiffen right back up again all right that's all i've got for you today i hope that helps out in some way i hope it gives you a little bit more understanding of how you can hit your lower back from different angles with different concepts and different things um, if you need any help please feel free to hit us up at royalfitness.com um, and you know strengthcoachsecrets.com is putting out content every single week so get on board have a read have a listen watch the videos and hopefully it helps you out i'm sure it will uh, the plan for me is to help you guys as much as possible so if there's any questions you have please feel free to hit me up. Beyond that, guys, I hope you all have a great day. I hope you all enjoy what I'm putting out. And if you have feedback, please hit me up. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.